0: And there's nothing sure in this world, and there's nothing still sure in this world, and it's just something left in this world.
1: was from Matt and Cheryl. Cheryl. They renewed their vows here Sunday. Saturday. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was nice. That was nice. Now I won't be echoing. Hello, this is William Fink. This is the Christagenia Open Forum and it was the first one of twenty eleven. It is January third, two thousand and eleven. I can read my watch, right? I want to talk a little bit about the weather. it's the the panic is incredible to me. And and what's even more incredible is that many Christian identity pastors feel that they have to be um they have to forerun the news or they have to forebode events. And and I don't think I have to forebode any events. I, I don't think any of us do. I don't whatever happens, happens. What we're told in the in, in the gospel over and over and, and in the epistles of John. Not to fear. Not to fear their fear. Do not be afraid. John says that If you have fear, basically, there's no love in it. If you have fear, your Christian love is lacking, and your understanding of the word and the will of God are lacking. That's just the way it is. I fear nothing. My aim is to fear nothing nothing. Whatever happens, happens. I, I mean, if I see something that's within my control, I will try to set it right, if I could do something about it. If I can't, then I have to accept that what happens to me, my loved ones, the people around me in my life, is the will of my God, and, and there's a lesson in it, and, and it, it's the fate of, of our family member, or, or whoever else is involved, our friends, that, that's just the way It is. There are some things we can control. There are some things we can't. Uh, Of course, we should um, work to to supply ourselves with the basic needs in life. Who doesn't work shouldn't eat, right? Well, well, he who doesn't work doesn't deserve to. And and, um, and, and that's as far as it should go. We should put our faith in the hands of of our God and, and our fate in the hands of our God. And, and there's people that love to forerun the news. They love to forebode catastrophe after catastrophe. I have a paper on my site. I've mentioned it here before. I'll mention it again. It's, um, it's, it's basically disdaining the culture of fear. It is a short paper, but it, it expresses what I felt it had to express, that we shouldn't get caught up in these traps. And the latest trap is... The oil crisis in the Gulf of Mexico and the Gulf Stream. And, and, you know, I know we can't trust our government to tell us the truth time and again. And we can't trust our government to do the right thing time and again. But that doesn't mean that we should be caught up in panic every time there's an event but we should take things as they come. And and no man knows when the end is going to be here or by what device it, it's going to happen. We have to wait for, as we're told many times in Scripture, wait for that day and wait for our Savior and hold fast our faith until it gets here. And, and catching each other up in, 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 in bullshit and fear and, and making each other afraid of, of what might come upon us tomorrow, that's not Christian. That's anti-Christian. That's just where the Jews love to see us. They love to see us caught up in all that trash and in and conspiracy theories and, and this and that. They're all evil. What well, what's the conspiracy? The conspiracy seven thousand years old started in the Garden of Eden, right? There's only one conspiracy theory. I like to talk about the weather. It it's um, yeah, you know, it, it was a little colder than normal in December in, in Britain and Ireland and, and right away people want to unplug the world and and, and and say the end is near because um, because some pipes broke. Yeah. I have a friend in Ireland, he's been here, and, and some of his pipes broke. Well, well, the Irish, you know, here in New York, when we run pipes outside, we run them deep under the ground, three, four feet under the ground, because we, if we don't bury them that deep under the ground, we're going to expect them to break. If your pipes break, and you didn't bury them below the frost line when you laid them, whose fault is that? I don't, I don't know, at least two, three feet underground they should be. The, the um... Britain experienced record low temperatures in December. Um, maybe maybe lower since they started recording temperatures. That, that's, what some sites, that, that's what some sources claim. Are they that bad? I don't think they're that bad. Let's, let, let's see. The lowest temperature was negative 21 degrees in Scotland on December 2nd. Negative 21 degrees centigrade, not Fahrenheit centigrade. That's negative six degrees Fahrenheit. Let me tell you something. I've been out running. I've gone out and run five miles in negative ten degrees and never had a problem. Sports and a sweatshirt. And gloves. Gloves are important. And a hat. The, um, but they, negative six degrees is not bad. I, I've woke up many nights here in, in the last two years in, in upstate New York and December's not our coldest month. January and the beginning of February is usually the coldest period of the year. And it's typical that we wake up and it's negative 12 degrees or negative 15 degrees at 6 a.m. on, on, on a January morning here. Negative 6 degrees Fahrenheit, that negative 21 centigrade, that sounds horrible, right? But it's really not that bad. And that was the lowest temperature in Scotland in Ember. I'm going to keep talking about this because this isn't... Uh, I mean there was a lot of snow in December in, in 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 Britain and and the the Brits aren't really accustomed to it so just like the American South last year I mean last year in Virginia and and lower Pennsylvania southern New Jersey Maryland Delaware North Carolina those states got a lot of snow here last year and it's a big thing in Virginia because it usually doesn't snow that much and and they're very um, caught off guard by it. That, that's the way it is. But you have to, every, every once in a while, you're going to get a winter like that. And, and Britain's lowest ever recorded temperature in November was minus 23 degrees Celsius. That's like minus 7 degrees Fahrenheit in, in Braemar in the Scottish Highlands on November 14th, 1919. So it was almost that cold again this year. But we see on November 14th, 1919. In in Braemar, B-R-A-E-M-A-R, in the Scottish Highlands, it was minus 23 degrees Fahrenheit. Did that set a trend? No. Was the Gulf Stream, was there a a, a Gulf of Mexico filled with oil that was going to shut down the Gulf Stream to cause that? I don't think so. I'm going to keep talking about this because I have a lot more to say about it. Syracuse, New York, where I live, December, average high and low temperatures. In um, 1964, on December 12th, it was negative 10 Fahrenheit. In 1953, on December 21st, it was negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. This is, you know, there's there's a whole lot of temperatures in that range on December dates in in Syracuse, New York. And that's up here. And and that's, when it happens, it's normal. It's not the end of the world. That's from the National um, Weather Services Forecast Office website that those those numbers the record low for syracuse new york on de- for december is negative 22 degrees fahrenheit on december 25th in 1980 so that's and, and the maximum snowfall is 18.6 inches on the 30th in 1997 that's um, i mean it happens once in a while that's we live in a winter climate britain is a lot further north on on, on the um in latitude than new york is but our weather is generally colder because we're in the mountains, and Britain does benefit greatly from the Gulf Stream. On the, um, on the Saxon Messenger site, uh, uh, just to, let, let's put things in perspective, right, with this weather thing, okay? On the Saxon Messenger site, I have a page, and it has four pictures of a frozen Niagara Falls. If you've ever seen Niagara Falls, it's pretty incredible, the volume of water that goes over Niagara Falls every Every second for that to freeze, and these pictures are really pretty incredible. They show people standing in the frozen falls and and the water is frozen in 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 mid in mid fall in mid flight it, it's it's really pretty cool to see and and um let me let let me read what i wrote on on this page and and I just posted it today. I had these pictures in a file waiting for um somebody from Britain sent me these these pictures Tia Teffi sent me these pictures two years ago for me to um to just to see them and and since I save everything that that I think is going to be worthy or valuable to me at at one time or another. I saved these pictures and, and in preparation for tonight I remembered that I had these pictures of frozen Niagara Falls and I went and dug them out and posted them. Why do so many people see the end of the world in a little adverse weather? And then after things get back to normal, whatever normal is, all is forgotten, including God of course, until the next looming catastrophe comes along. Why do men thrive on fear? As the Apostle John said in his epistles, there is none of God's love in fear. If you fear, your lack of faith as a Christian is fully evident. That's just the way it is. You're trusting God and fear nothing. Now, to address the recent cold spell in Britain and Ireland, let us make a note that Niagara Falls is frozen over on many occasions throughout history, and so has... The Thames. So I was corrected tonight, it's the Thames River. I see in a T-H and an A, in the English see a T-E. I, I, I guess it's their river, I'll pronounce it the way they do. And And, and the Thames River in London has very often frozen over. And, and I have some dates here, and this is right from answers.com, and it could be found in a lot of different places. One of the earliest accounts of the Thames River freezing over comes from 250 AD, from Roman historians, when it was frozen for, it was frozen solid for nine weeks. This is the Thames River, was frozen solid for nine weeks in 250 AD. In 923, the river was open to wheeled traffic. They were taking wagons and carts across the frozen river for trade and the transport of goods for 13 weeks. In nine, in, I'm sorry, in 1410 for 14 weeks. From 1400 into the 19th century, there were 24 rivers in which. No, I'm sorry, 24 winters in which the Thames the Thames River was recorded to have frozen over in London, and and. There's a list of years here, 1408, 1435, 1506, 1514, 1537, 1565, 1595, 1608, 1621, 1635, 1649, 1655, 1663, 1666, 1677, 1684, 1695, which I think is the year the... Um, The the Bank of London was founded. 1709, 1716, 1740, 1768, 1776, 1785, 1788, 1795, and 1814. All those years, the Thames River in London froze over and stayed that way for a significant period of time. And we see the historic record tells us that it has stayed that way for as long as 14 weeks. That is three months. That's the entire winter. That is a cold winter. This winter that we've had this year is not evidently a cold winter because I, I checked the other night. I checked on Thursday night, and and the temperature in London was 32 degrees out, and and that seemed pretty damned toasty to what it used compared to what it usually is here in New York. Uh, I would rather be in London, right? It was 32 degrees out in London, and it was 32 degrees that day in Berlin, Thursday evening, this past Thursday. Al? That's, i got a few more things to say about the weather, but not much. But obviously, this cold December wasn't the coldest we've had in London. We've obviously had many much more colder winters. I mean, if the Thames River could freeze over, stay frozen for three months, and, and hold wagon and cart traffic with commerce, uh, I mean, that's pretty frozen, and and, um, I would say that it would have to be a hell of a lot colder then than this little December that we've just had. I don't think that the Gulf Stream has stopped functioning at all, and I sure as hell don't think that it's the end of Europe as we know it, as some people would rather have us believe it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. We have to be more careful in that and, and we have to be more cautious and, and more sober minded when we think about the, the events which we, we we pray as Christians that, that the end of the age events are upon us. We look forward to the return of our redeemer. We do, we all do and we all should. But we should never panic over the news, and and we should never panic over what we think is going to happen. We shouldn't even panic over what's happening, never mind what we think might happen. That's just crazy. Why do we get our asses all wound up over this garbage? I I don't get it. There's been many times in history where where we've had warming and cooling periods, and and not only over a short winter or or two, or, or a... A, um, a scattered month in the winter here and there. But, but we've had um, long periods of cold weather. In, in, um, in, the, in the Greek and Roman classics, in Diodorus Siculus and in Strabo, we see that the, the Greeks wrote that it was so cold north of the Danube that they, couldn't, they said it was uninhabitable. They couldn't imagine anybody living there. And and now we see, you know, it's evident why the Goths and the, and the Vandals and, and all of those Germanic tribes, they wanted to press west of the Rhine and south of the Danube and into the lands of the Empire, right? They, they were trying to press into those lands for centuries because it was better climate. It, it was very cold in, in the north and, and very difficult to um, inhabit in the wintertime. In, um, in, in the 12 and 1300s, And and I'm sorry, as early as the 10th century through the 14th century, we had a a period of warmth in the north. And and it was so warm that when the Vikings started on their long sailing voyages, and, and they were able to do that because it was long enough, the summers, and warm enough that they could cross the ocean and get back to Scandinavia before the, the um, before it grew too cold to be on the sea, right? And and uh, they came across Greenland. It really was Greenland. Uh, I mean, they weren't hallucinating. They weren't smoking mushrooms and and settled on some frozen uninhabitable tundra and called it Greenland. Out of the, the Jews, a lot of Jews say, oh, that was propaganda to get people to move there. Propaganda, my butt. It was Greenland. Read the ancient sagas. Read the accounts. It was a beautiful, lush land. It was forested and and it was um, it was bountifully yet you know equipped with with um, fauna and and flora and and they called it Greenland because it was and and they settled in Newfoundland, Newfoundland and Labrador because they were very, a very habitable region there. It was a lot warmer at that time and and when it got cold. At the end of the, um, I would think probably in the 14th century. But when it got too cold, they stopped sailing on those long voyages. That's just the way it is. It got too cold to sail from, from the, nor- the north of England and, and the northern regions from Scandinavia. But they stopped. And, and that was to the good fortune of, of the Spanish and the English and the French who lived in a more temperate climate and had a longer sailing season. It, it's that simple. So, so most of the um, the era of settlement was, was the English and the French and the Spanish had had a, a a much more a much greater opportunity to take it to take advantage of that because it was too cold for the northern countries to embark on those long voyages anymore. They stopped. Real simple. The Danes couldn't do it anymore. Norwegians couldn't do it anymore. And, and that's all I'm going to say about the climate. It's, we had one cold month. It's not the end of the world. These people that, that, that um, thought the Gulf Stream was going to shut down because of some oil crisis in the Gulf. And, and how much oil spilled into the Gulf is still a mystery. The New York Times, I have an article posted on the Christagenia Forum somewhere. The New York Times claimed that all the oil evaporated. It, it, may, it might just be that most of it was hype. And that the oil spill wasn't half as bad or a tenth as bad as anybody thought. Or it might just be that the oil was there, but it's not having the effect that people thought about or, or hoped it would have. And there's still people beating that drum that the Gulf Stream shut down. If the Gulf Stream did shut down, I, I guarantee you one thing, the Thames River would probably be frozen. That, that, I think that would be a safe bet. And it's not. I'm going to recognize some people here. That, that's my... Um, Two cents for this week.
2: Hello, Victor. Hello, Bill. Hello, Bruce. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on these um, Hello, theory nuts. Constantly, something going on. Something's about to tear us up or kill us all. And you got some people here in Arkansas that's freaking out over a bunch of dead animals. I heard about the and
1: bird kill, a thousand, or, or I've seen estimates as high as five thousand of, of this certain kind of blackbird died.
2: This has happened before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not yes. new. Yes, well, I, I don't know about the numbers, okay, but I'm going to tell you as someone who has grown up in the countryside of Arkansas, it is not unusual to find large numbers of dead birds in one area. The reason this is getting media hype is because it happened within city limits. Okay, it's no big bit. As the fish, people are trying to connect the birds and the fish has happened in two different places in Arkansas. The fish. Or a bunch of drumfish. They're bottom feeders. So I really don't think there's a connection between the two. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, but I mean, people are getting hyped up about it here in Arkansas. People are getting hyped up about it elsewhere. It's in the media. And it's full of sound and fury, much ado about nothing.
1: I've seen the panic in the media over it. I haven't had the chance to really study it yet. I just heard about the fish story today. And, um, Actually, the only place I've heard about it is from from Robert Balakaias' emails. The Sacred Truth Ministries. He sends out a lot of news, and I just looked at my email, and it's full of di- full again. I think I'm going to delete the program.
2: <laughs> it keeps on trying to give me too much to do. <laughs> well, it's been on our local media uh, outlets. It's on the Drudge Report. Uh, Gerald's talking about dung beetles crossing his lawn yesterday, so he's 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 out of luck. Something bad's about to happen to him. Um. <clears throat> yeah, Gerald, you want to watch them. What's that MacDog saying here? He's working oil field, unrefined crude, gives off gases, it evaporates with certain chemicals added to it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, MacDog, there's not a lot of oil fields up around BB.
1: Well, well what I'm saying, MacDog, is oil in its natural state does not evaporate. Yeah, sure, with certain chemicals to it, yeah, you could make um gold evaporate or, or appear to with certain chemicals added to it. You can probably make just about anything appear to evaporate with certain chemicals added to it. The New York Times um, published an article that said, oh, most of the oil must have evaporated, and I thought it was just laughable. Yeah, it was pretty lame. And that was really before they started using Corexit, which, um, of course, the, health, the negative health effects of that are, are left to, um, to be seen. Uh, I wouldn't get caught up in a scare over that either, but, um, but we shouldn't be caught up in a scare over anything. As Focus Christian said, he typed into the chat before this program started. He's not here now. But but he said it's newspaper eschatology. I I think that's
2: probably the best term I've seen for it in a long time. I might even adopt it. Works for me. I have a general disregard for conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists in general, except for the one true one, which stems out of Genesis 3.15 and goes on from there. But the rest of them... Eh, you know, you got to have some pretty hardcore evidence before you're going to get me to believe anything. Call me a doubting Thomas, I guess.
1: Well, we should look at everything critically.
2: But we shouldn't just um,
1: accept and chase after every little thing we hear. Yeah. But we should look at our Bibles critically. We should look at our beliefs critically. We should look at everything critically. We shouldn't be caught up in fear.
3: In order to have that critical approach and attitude and uh, uh, looking at the the lies that present themselves in society and our conditioning, oy vey, you're such a bad goyim, you're talking about our Talmud. But in order to have that clarity to speak about these things, one has to get to the where you know, like a tree has roots, also has branches, so there's the hidden fears, which are much more significant, and uh, those are the, the things that, uh, bring out the sympathy for the en- enemy the non-whites in our in this uh, on this planet we have to do a lot of work it it, it demands work
1: oh all right but we should we should fun- funnel our energies in the right direction right we shouldn't spend a whole lot of energy worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. We shouldn't spend a whole lot of energy worrying about what Obama's going to do to us or, or what these, that this Jew's going to do or that Jew's going to do. Who cares what they do? Let them have it. Let them do whatever the hell they want to this country. There's a judge in heaven, and and they're going to pay for their crimes. That's That's just the way it is. Our own people. We're not going to convince people that these bastards are evil. It's not going to happen. That they they look they look agog. That they look all google eyed at, at at these clowns on in, in their um on their television podiums with all the microphones around them. And, and they say, "Oh wow, I love him. He's great. He's going to give me this and he's going to give me that." Well, well that's their god. That's their god. They're not Christians. They they might have that name Christians. That they might use it when they when when they think when, when they feel comfortable with it. They're not Christians at all, and and they deserve the punishment that that's going to come upon them.
3: Yeah, I asked some uh, I asked some kid in Iowa. I said, Are you a Jew? And He says, When it's financially uh, good to be a Jew, he's a Jew, and so a Christian will. Uh, uh, you know, a so, uh, so-called Christian is one who just goes by the outward appearance, and the, the Judeo format or program. Uh, that, that They'll be a, a Judeo-Christian and call themselves a Christian. And when you, once you bring up the subject of race, it's
4: like, uh,
3: oh, yeah, we can't talk about that. Hey, they Brian. keep
4: saying there's only one race, don't they? Oh, there's only yeah. two races. Us and them. By the sheep and as everybody else, and yet you know when the when the Jews let's say talk about how there's only one race of people because this guy came up to me the other day uh, at a place where I was at and he sprang that on me and I says well the problem is that when you talk about people who let's say are, are hate the Jews let's say they're never called anti-Judaists they're always anti-Semites and anti-Semite is a descendant of Shem in the Old Testament, and if the people believe the Jews of the Old Testament, then they're really opposed to the people as a as a genetic stock rather than as a religion. So how can you say that there's no race if they're saying you're anti-Semites they're opposed to the Jewish race? Well, that naturally, you never can argue with the Jew because well, don't you think that this and that, and I just, forget it.
1: Oh right, they're all hypocrites. What can I say? Their race exists, but there's only one race. But they're they're, they're it, maybe. Maybe there is only one race to them because the Talmud teaches that um, everybody else is an animal.
4: Yeah, we're going. Uh, uh, I remember reading some of their writings, and that's one thing I really uh, am grateful I did, is to read some of their writings in Talmud and stuff like that. Uh, And there's plenty of it online now to where nobody can say they can't find it at the time. There was no internet when I was doing this. And it says in there that, uh, like, uh, uh, they call us guys, you know, well, really we're goys, cattle in the field. And they call us fellas, but no, we're fellas, F-E-L-L-A-H, which means uh, 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 a laborer in the field. So no matter what they call us, whether guys or fellas, uh, we're just beast animals, They've perverted our entire language. We have adopted the Jewish
1: language, the Jewish version of English, through the movies and, and what we hear on the radio. We've adopted it. But we've heard these terms in vaudeville. We've heard these terms in, in Jewish schlock for 100 years now, and, and we've adopted them. And, and I've been guilty of using them myself. It, it's a force of habit.
4: We've adopted their language, and, and we haven't even known it. Is there anyone who has put together something in print that will kind of describe how this has uh, invaded our language and our thoughts and then says, you're saying this, it means that, so instead use this word over here. Is there anything that you've ever heard of and never thought of until just now, if there's any like a comparison, how to extricate yourself? Well,
1: well, we should at least, um, maybe maybe you could take that on as a project, right? Uh, I mean, maybe you just take the everyday terms that we think are, are english and they're really not that they're actually jewish terms and, and write a list out
3: um political correctness eth, ethnic ethnics uh Ethnicity. civil civic civil civil law um i mean there's <laughs> you go on
4: and on and on right well civil laws not... oh yeah,
1: but just law. limited to to everyday terms that people think are are um American terms and in reality they're not like guy and, and but well broad is is generally the
4: beginning of the de- de- the denigration of women, right? And yeah, dumb blondes. Problem is if you've been married to a dumb blonde it's not quite such a denigration. I was. <laughs> and it's some of it is true. Well <laughs> I,
1: I wouldn't go there because I've seen some I've seen some pretty um some pretty dumb brunettes, and I've seen some pretty dumb guys that, that were, um
4: and blondes, so. Yeah. <laughs> and you ever notice how when we're telling jokes, we always, when I'm telling a joke, unless it's specifically about someone, you know, like uh, uh, the Jews, you know. Um, why do Jews have big noses? Well, it's because air is free. Well, that you know is about a Jew. But if you're talking about some other joke, I usually think of it as being a white man. It would be interesting to ask someone, you're never going to get an answer out of Jews, so you may ask a black guy or, or a Hispanic guy, say, you know, when you tell jokes, what race, of, what race is the person that's in your joke? And they may have to think about it for a while before they come up with an answer. But it would be interesting to find out if the blacks think about black people when they're telling jokes, when there's no specific religion, uh, I mean uh, race mentioned
5: well,
1: I would think they probably do because people naturally form everything in the, in their own image, just like if you let a, a negro into church he's gonna imagine that God is black right
4: yeah well, and I they have bibles. I've seen bibles in a in a uh, uh, a christian bookstore, and jesus has is uh, uh, not real dark but it's it's negroid dark and he's got this Black curly hair, and everybody around them is the little children. They're black children with little curly hairs, a bunch of nigglets with bare hair, bare cuts, you know. And it's it's just really it's disgusting to see that. I mean, it's not anywhere more possible that it could be, but they, they publish this stuff, and they mislead these people.
1: Sounds like the African study Bible, but I don't think there were any words in it.
4: <laughs> it's all iconic, you know. Hand signs, <laughs> fingers, this fingers. Right. It's all dang symbols or something. Pictures of some guy, you know. A guy running. A guy hitting somebody. Pow, back to the hieroglyphics. Well, what do we have tonight? I mean, we've we got to have something
1: above small talk, I, I would hope. Um, That's right.
4: You know, the weather thing, until you mentioned it, I never knew there was any questions about the weather. I know that uh, some people are trying to make suggestions about how... Uh, there are so many calamities in such a short amount of time that uh, they seem to think that there's something about it. And yet other people are saying, like here where I live, they had two major floods in two years. And he's saying, well, these are once, is once in a 500-year floods. Another was a once in a 100-year flood. Well, they, they're going to have two of their floods right in a row here. We should go 400 years without another flood. But they look to the past, and they can't judge the past And then consider what's going to happen in the future because it's always changing and it never relies upon the past. Only us humans with a memory would do something based upon what we did in the past. The weather never really repeats itself. Well, us
1: humans with the memory, right, because most of us don't have memories. And when you talk about, yeah, you know, there seems to be so many more calamities than there have been in the past, well, well I don't think that's true at all. And, and I think that it's because we just simply have a much greater dispersal of news than we have in the past. That We hear a lot more about what's happening in diverse places. Things that the national news that aren't quite important enough to make the big three networks in the past, but now that they're, um, because we have the Internet and so many people can widely distribute and broadcast news items, emails, um, tidbits from websites, that we just hear about a a lot more than we have in the past. We have a lot more information available to us.
0: Uh
1: True. I mean, when I was a kid in New Jersey, who cared about a river overflowing in
4: Oregon? yeah we've got a tiny little newspaper here, and it reports something in some foreign state, you know down there and wherever South Carolina or something, somebody did something whatever. I'm thinking, what different so what you know they're just so desperate for publishing news. Why don't they really go out there and look at the local news? There must be something around here that's worth um, uh, digging into, but no, they just go to the news services and the wire services, and they just put whatever's there, and sometimes they don't even look at it. He just say, Okay, fill this blank and 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 you just publish it. What was the other one? You had a weather and uh <clears throat> oh uh you what was your other subject? I'm trying to look at my Oh you talked about um on your uh Christogenia uh webpage oh, no your uh um section Messenger. I looked at the pictures of Niagara Falls frozen. I've seen some of those before, but I don't remember where. So thanks for putting them up. Uh, Below that it says, no, Islam is evil. Where is the outrage? And it talks about this little poster about the evils of Christmas. And it goes through all the things. And they're actually telling us the truth. Well, you know something? uh, They're not telling us the truth. Okay?
1: Because Christianity did not bring us at rape. Teenage pregnancy, Christianity did not bring us abortion.
4: That's that's true.
1: Raves, blasphemy, exploitation. Christianity didn't bring us anything. Any of those things. You know what did? Judaism did. Judaism brought us every one of those damn things. But we have all this stuff. Well, yes, but it's not Christians. It's not Christianity to blame. Now, the claim here is that in Islam we are protected from all of these evils. We have marriage, family, honor, dignity, security, rights for man, women, and child. Well, well in Islam, they have, and boy, sex is is um, uh, pedophilia is is rampant in Islam. But it's not reported by the Jewish media because the Jews want to flood Christendom with Muslims. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Islam that there's just as much AIDS in in um. In, in Arab countries as there are in American countries. In fact, this article that you're talking about on the Saxon Messenger is going to be the the core of my editorial. I'm going to add a little bit to it. I'm going to rewrite it and polish it a little. It's going to be my editorial for the January Saxon Messenger, this article. And and um, I'm going to cite Arab sources that admit that there's over 400,000 AIDS cases in, in the Near East and Northern Africa and Muslim countries right now. Hmm. In fact, the, I think the data that I have is from 2008. And that's not reported. It's not reported in the Western media. The Jews have whitewashed Islam, and, and they're flooding the Western nations with Muslims.
4: With these well, it, diseases it, it, and well, their attitudes.
3: It, it, it's, the same, it's the same type of uh, uh, Jew disease, uh, Judaized disease that goes on with Judeo-Christianity, where... Uh, I, I could be a Judeo-Christian and, and drive a polished car and live a, ver- a very orderly outward life. I mean, very orderly, you know, and appear to be very shiny and.
1: Well, well that's what the Muslims do when they can. But that, and what do we have in every Muslim country? Crime, disease, the, the oppression of women, the, the, the oppression of children, pedophilia. We have that in every Muslim country. What do we have in every Muslim? But, Muslim country, but a war zone
3: and and a tyranny,
1: a whitewashed sepulcher, like Paul addressed the, uh, well, like Christ told the Pharisees, exactly, because Islam is the second Jewish religion. Islam is is basically a, a religion developed by Jews to force on everybody who was not a Jew.
3: Yeah, and that's the trap of organized religion, of superficiality, where people can discern the weather, and uh, but they can't—they—they they can't read, understand the scriptures. That it was the, the Almighty in the flesh talking to them.
1: Well, yes, that article will be the um the major portion of my editorial for this month. I'll rewrite the bottom paragraph. I'm going to add some data to it on on Islam and and sexually transmitted diseases. Hmm. And 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 where they put the claiming God has a son. that That's a direct refutation of, of the Christian religion. If you said um, anything like that about Allah, they'd, they'd be out in the streets rioting. Hmm. And people, you know, Muslims say that about Christ, and there's no outrage, or, or very little.
4: But you hear a lot of people in these Christian churches, and even in the Christian identity, they'll open their prayer with whatever they say. They don't use Yahweh, but they they. Call upon Lord or God, you know, and they make all these supplications and ask for this and that, and then the identity say, we ask for this in the name of your Son Jesus Christ, amen well that's isn't that a kind of a contradiction if if Yahweh, as many believe here is Yahweh, was really manifested to himself in the human form in a manly form we call Joshua. Then we shouldn't ask Yahweh to answer, to answer our prayers in the name of His Son, because He was Yahweh here. So we're asking something that's like, His Son, but He was His Son. You know, it's, it's, that to me that doesn't sound right, and it's contradictory. They should they should just address Yahweh, or that we would. Well, it's part of the paradox of Christianity
1: that Yahweh could have could be here as one of His own as one of His own sons, right?
4: And and men have argued about that. 2,000 years now. And got to end up being all these different churches and things. But it seems that the ones that believe that uh, there's this uh, Trinity, you know, those seem to be the ones that are prevailing. Divided out. They have these three guys, you know, one's God, the other's the Son the Father, the Son, and there's the Holy Ghost. I don't know what the Holy Ghost is. I've never been able to figure it out. But I gave up on religion a long time ago. <laughs> I, just, I just gave up on it. You know, these guys, it just didn't make any sense. They'd be out there. The whole, the whole congregation would be. Hundreds of people would be reading us a little piece of paper that they'd hand out, you know, as you walk in the door, and this and, and this is confession type thing. It says, oh, like, we have sinned. You know, we are unworthy of your blessings and blah, blah. All this really downing stuff. We were just condemning ourselves. And I'm thinking, geez, all I did is go to school to come back home again. What have I done? That is so bad that I don't even deserve God's blessings. Well, this is a constant condemnation of God's people to where they think that they're not worthy. And that's... That bugs me. I'm unworthy to be God's chosen vessel, but I'm going to tell you what to do anyway type of crap, you know. I don't understand it, how they can, they can sit there and, and swallow that stupidity, you know, this constant condemnation uh, uh, that you're a sinner, you're depraved, you're in need of saving, and you're going to go to hell and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it doesn't match what I think should be a really good religion. No, that's
3: all that's all the echo of self pity crying out for a remedy and it, it finds its remedy, right? But it's false. It's just the echo of that self pity coming back at itself. And anybody can put together a image of Yeah. That's what uh the self deception is, isn't it? Formulating the image of the Almighty that according to our image, right? So we see that in ourselves and wipe it out totally? No, because we want to be entertained. God's the biggest entertainment, and the Jews promote that false god.
1: Well, it's, it's basically we should re- reject religion. The, the the concept of what religion, our concept of what religion is. Um, yeah. Concept, formula.
3: Concept, formula, idea. Um, System. I mean, there's all types types of words to, that are neatly packaged, you know.
1: Well, well, the mainstream churches are absolutely deceptive. That there's something to a, a recognition of our own unworthiness for the kingdom. Let's say, understanding that, and and that's just simply a matter of humbling oneself and understanding that what we can't, um, we are all sinners. We do all make mistakes from time to time that we, we can be that we can have the understanding of the fact that we are the children of God and and we, we, we don't expect salvation we've already been saved every one of us has been saved what we've I think that's the most ridiculous part and the most anti-biblical, asset of Judeo-Christianity is the idea that we get saved during our lifetime. But first, that whole saved thing is um, that, that whole paradigm in, in most people's minds is very wrong also. However, every child of Israel was saved at the same time a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. But when we were redeemed and, and brought back into um, the company of and the favor of our God. That happened 2,000 years ago. happened once, and it happened for all of us. But it didn't happen for anybody that isn't us. The whole paradigm is wrong, Ron. I see what, where your complaints have validity, but it's, it's the entire way of thinking in the first place is just wrong. Hmm. They, they can't even express themselves properly in biblical terms because they don't understand the Bible. They only understand the lies that the priestcraft has conveyed to them. The the entire priestcraft paradigm in Judeo-Christianity is wrong. It's a lie. They're pretty crafty. Like like Paul said, it's the systemization of deception is exactly what they've done. And they do that so that they can control people. That's why they have that system. They like to have that control over the lies of other men. And and that's an anti-Christian precept. None of us should want to have control over each other's lives I don't want to control anybody I mean I could tell you what I believe is right from scripture and what I believe is wrong from scripture and and you go make your choice and whatever choice you want to make is fine with me it's your choice it's your life it's your judgment that's the that that's all Paul wrote in his letters he he quoted scripture he told people what he thought was right and, and from scripture and what he thought was wrong from scripture and and always used scripture as his guide, and where he did not have a scriptural example for a situation, he very plainly stated that he was only giving his own opinion based on scripture. But It's still only the opinion of men. And the last thing we should seek is to control each other. Christ said how many times that we have one master, and the rest of us are our brothers, period. So we should never want to rule over each other. And Paul set that example also, where he told the Corinthians explicitly that he would not rule over their faith. So so these people that want to control everybody else, but when you examine the Christian documents, these people can't be Christians. They're not. They're absolutely not Christians. They might be Catholics. They might be Pentecostals. They might be Baptists. They're not Christians, and it's not fair to call what they profess. I don't care if they profess Christ or not. If they're not obeying his words, which is what he commands, then they can't be Christians. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's his words that matter, not his name. His words matter a zillion times more than his name. honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's why he said it. It's his, it's his words that matter. It's more than just having that magic name, which is what it becomes to a lot of people. And Of course, it's a name we should venerate. But It becomes a magical elixir to a lot of people, even in identity. They have that name, Yahweh or Yahshua, and, and they take that name. A lot of people in identity do this. They take that name, and, and they throw it in the pot, and then they add all their own ingredients. They think that they're Christians. They're not Christians, they're kidding themselves. Because his words matter a lot more than simply the name.
3: That's the beauty of true, uh, of real uh, Christian Israel identity, is that the Almighty identifies us and, uh, you know, who his are. It's not us who say, oh, we've done so many things. And Paul's analogy of a body, the different parts. And then he went on to talk about all these these cuckoo clowns running around with uh, these... uh, Charismatics and Pentecostals boasting about their gifts as though they somehow sprang from their own personality. Which <laughs> is so stupid.
1: And so the last thing we need is a pope. No thanks. Oh, this is an open forum, guys. I mean, I can't do it all. I'm tired of running my mouth. Yeah.
4: You do a pretty good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had, excuse uh, me, I talked about that oh yeah. I have some, who is Charles Martel? I could look it up, but I want to get your view of it and how it relates here.
1: Charles Martel was the um, nobleman that, that led the fight against the that the, the um the Arabs, when they invaded France in 700 and something A.D. They made their way through Spain and invaded France, you know. And it was Charles Martel that, that gathered the forces to, to repel them and defeat them. This
4: at the same time they came up through Spain? Yes. And, yeah, a, at the beginning of the, um,
1: it was in the opening years of the 8th century, I think. It, it it was, I think it was 700 and something.
4: When did they almost knock down uh, Vienna?
1: That was a, a close call. Well, well, that was 1680-something, right? That was relatively recent.
4: Yeah, so they've been at this for a long time.
1: Oh, yes, they have.
5: Hello, Brian. Hello. Charles Martel fought at the Battle of Tours. Chur- in seven thirty two AD and it was I think a week long battle. They had maybe ten or twenty thousand Frenchmen all together against upwards of three hundred thousand Muslims. They killed approximately half the Muslim army, killed the Muslim king, and they lost a few thousand of their own and the Muslims were routed and sent back into Spain. In Austria, it was 1682 and Austria was sixteen eighty two and sixteen eighty three. And the Turks were routed by a what was at the time, and I think still is, the largest cavalry charge in the history of the world, mounted by the, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. The Austrians, of course, were there since it was Vienna. I think the Venetians and the Milanese were there, and a bunch of German states sent soldiers as well. So it was basically a, a pan-European coalition that fought the Turks to a standstill in Vienna. And all we got is
4: Alamo, huh? <laughs> And a few years after they sat there and saved their own ass by cooperating together, they started probably declaring wars against each little principality against another, which got them absolutely nowhere, really. It's all Europe always playing, well, fighting I back. The, the,
5: the Siege of Vienna was well after the Thirty Years' War, so Germany had already lost a third of its population earlier that century. It was in Rome. I think if we dig deep enough, we'll find that the Jews were basically the driving force behind the Thirty Years' War. I would bet that we would. If
1: we can find the documents, I would bet that the Jews were
5: behind it. I would guarantee it. Now, you find it interesting, because I certainly do, that Catholic France sided with the Protestants to weaken and destroy Austria and the Catholic German states. Clearly, the Jews had to be at play there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, something I haven't studied to the amount I would like to, but sooner or later I'll get to it.
3: You'd be so kind, Brian, to refresh those of us uh, on the 30-year war. What exactly, the year? Oh,
1: well, it was the Catholic Wars against um against Protestants. It was it 1618 to 1648, or was it
5: 1608 to 1638? I it, yeah, it was 1618 to 1648. And officially it was over the defenstration of Prague, wasn't it? That was the official casus belli of why the, the war erupted, wasn't it? Because of the revolt in Bohemia. How a bunch of Catholic tax collectors went to some estate or some castle in Bohemia and they demanded money and all this and all that. And some Protestant officials didn't like that, so they took him and they threw him out of a third or fourth story window. And he survived unharmed, and as did, you know, the other officials, too. They all survived unharmed, and they claim that on the way down, the Virgin Mary interceded. They saw a miraculous vision, and angels got, you know, guided them down safely and cushioned their fall. The Protestants claim that they landed in a huge pile of manure. <laughs> uh, I tend to lean more towards the latter. What
1: would you think, <laughs> though? I think that the Protestants should have had better aim when they threw him his place. <laughs> <laughs> Prior planning pays. I right, should have thrown him out the other side, a window on the other side of the building. Maybe Pastor FOOB caught him. Pastor Father
2: yeah.
1: Oh, I'd, I I think I I personally have to study more into the Thirty Years' War and, and the um historical details involved. And and I'm, I've mm-hmm. long admitted that I'm not really a, the student a student of the Middle Ages. But um, I wouldn't doubt if, it, if Jews weren't behind it, because they had controlled the papacy for some time in, in those centuries.
5: And they had control of France, too, since the de' Medici's, wasn't it didn't Catherine de' Medici marry the king of France?
1: Yes, the de' Medici's, were, um, they had already infiltrated the throne.
5: Since she married Henry II, that meant that the heir, whoever that was often looked that up, would have been a Jew de' Medici. Francis II, that was her eldest son. I think Louis XIV is from that line, too. Yes, he, he was a very arrogant person, monstrously wicked. He he basically openly slept with n- numerous wives of some of his courtiers and his counts and his jokes and whatnot. And supposedly he also had a servant that was t- tasked with simply wiping his butt when he was done going to the bathroom because he wouldn't do it himself. Wow. Make it a disease <laughs> by himself that would be a shitty job. Maybe it was performed by the, the Duke of Granby. More than willing
1: to do something. <laughs> well, European history is a mess, but most people don't have. But most people, you, you have to talk to people about these things in, in order to give them the background that they need to understand. The relationship between Christians and Arabs and and Jews and Muslims and and most people just stare at you with a blank stare. They have no. I, I mean, if you ask them, well, when um Alexander the Great invaded Persia, that they, they or I'm sorry, when you ask them when Alexander the Great invaded Hawaii, they would probably tell you the
5: 1800s.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I actually convinced some girl that. The American Civil War was one when the Army of Northern Virginia, under General Patton, won the Battle of Helm's Deep in New Zealand. And she, she wanted to know why the war was fought in New Zealand. And I said that American officials decided it would be too costly to have it fought here, so we contracted out to New Zealand that we could fight the war on their terrain. <laughs> so I said our army set sail, and the, um, the um, Confederate Army set sail, and we duped it out there. And I said, didn't you see there was a documentary about it, the Battle of Helm's Deep?
1: <laughs> that might be the subject of a good blog post just to write write up a history test and, and um, multiple choice questions, you know, like when did the United States drop the atomic bomb on... No, no. how about where did the United States drop the atomic bomb on Japan? And and give a list like San Bernardino, um, Mian, Vienna, or um, all of the above. Yeah, really? You know, stupid questions like that, people will answer them. Maybe I could develop that and put it online on on or, or something.
5: My mom took France was the last major right. country that entered World War II. Really, the
4: United States or the Soviet Union? <laughs> there are actually news articles where they uh, we have to take this with salt, right? Where they've shown that the, uh, the the students coming out, a lot of them just don't understand American history. They just can't figure it out. That they're so maltaught. Or else they were paying attention or something like that. They don't even, they don't understand history. To some extent that's bad, but to some extent that's good. Because when you come up with revisionist histories like we like, they don't have any other history to compare it to, so they may believe us more than they would those lousy, stinking teachers, which they hated anyway. So we could turn this little adversity into an advantage by teaching them the truth, they don't have any lies to get out of their mind because they've got an empty head to begin with. What do you think about that?
1: Well, you're right about them having an empty head to begin with, but I don't think they have the the skills requisite to understand anything
4: about most people
1: today.
5: It's it's pretty bad. 15% of Britons thought that Mussolini was a fictional character from comedy sketches. 5% didn't know who Hitler was. And they said something like 15% didn't know that there'd been a holocaust.
4: Well, see, there's hope there.
1: you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. There's hope there is right. Yeah, you
4: can tell
5: 6% you can thought tell
4: that the um, Lord of the Rings
5: was based on a true story. Well, it may have been, but it's fiction.
1: You're probably convincing that the English won, world, won the Second World War when the, when the Earl of Sandwich invented the toothpick in New Delhi.
5: <laughs> I thought the British won <laughs> World War III by beating the French at the
1: NBN food.
5: That's pretty bad. That's the way most people think about history.
3: That's called a stupefied mind. Well, my mom had never
5: heard of Nikita Khrushchev. When I asked her, you know, what she thought of when Khrushchev visited the United States, and she said, who's that? And I said, Premier Khrushchev. And she said, Premier of what? And I said, he was the leader of a country. And she said, was he the leader of Great Britain?
1: <laughs> well, your mom is, um, she she's a little younger than me, so, so she's, um... I could understand that. Uh, I mean, that's the television age of the '70s. I, I could really uh, understand that
0: in, in because I noted
1: a lot of my contemporaries. You, you see, Brezhnev was the big name, right? <laughs> when I was a kid, she didn't and, know him either. Leonid Brezhnev was was the leader of Soviet Russia. That the first one that I remember in my lifetime, and and he became the Soviet premier, I think, in the '60s, the early '60s.
5: Yes, yeah, so and he was there until the late seventies, wasn't
1: he? He was there until at least seventy four,
5: hmm.
1: and he was always in the news when, um, when when Nixon and Watergate and those years and and Khrushchev was, uh, I mean, Brezhnev was always in the news, and he had this real satanic look, right? He was the okay. perfect leader for the evil empire. I mean, just look at the man. He looked like the devil. He I he. Had mean, his, he these slanted Mongol eyes and and these big bushy eyebrows that were always pointed up in the air, kind of, and and yeah, he looked like the the um the, the face hair. of the devil. He really did, he, and and that was the face. I I think they propped up sinister-looking people like that on purpose, just, yeah. just to um cause fear in the hearts of America during the Cold War. I really do. It's part of the propaganda, right?
5: He was there when the Soviets and the Warsaw Pact invaded Prague in 68 for the Prague summer. I remember the scene, well, I'm not at the time it happened, but I remember, you know, a year or two ago when I was looking through Soviet history, he was saying the situation in Bratislava, Czechoslovakia has now been normalized. So he came in at least before 68, and he was the one that kicked off the invasion of Afghanistan in 79, and then I think he died that year.
1: Well, they should. That they should actually, um, yeah, you know, be most people today, my contemporaries anyway, I, I mean the, the 40 to 50 crowd, they should know who Brezhnev is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't know who Khrushchev well, was. My mom didn't know Brezhnev, she didn't know
5: Cherenko and she didn't know Andropov, and my dad knew all of them. All right, well
1: Cherenko and Andropov
4: didn't last very long, right?
5: About a At year
1: ago.
4: age. Yeah. Well,
5: that's politics,
4: too, and a lot of times until recently, Women really didn't have much to say in politics. They didn't have much to think about it either. They're more concerned with home and family and children and things like that.
5: My mom also didn't know when the American Civil
4: War, her answer was America.
3: Yeah, it's like the One World Jew Club has been going on for some time. And uh, it's just oblivious to most of us who, you know, and I speak non-personally, most of us with stupefied minds. Good night, Furlan.
1: God bless. Well, the, um, the average person my age, Brian, they don't know who the last five presidents were. Ask them to name the last five. Ask them to name um, who ran for, for president against Richard Nixon or against, um, against George Bush even. They won't be able to tell you. They won't have a clue. And it's something that happened in their lifetime. It, it was a major event. And, and, and they'll be clueless. They won't be able to was tell you. McGovern?
5: McGovern ran against Nixon.
1: Well, well, yes. McGovern ran against Nixon in... Um, in, in '74.
5: Was he the one that ran with the woman, or was that Mondale?
1: Oh, that was Mondale. Mondale. Yeah, and Mondale. that was that that was mm-hmm. rather recent compared to um.
4: The Ferrari, a, yeah. Yeah, like, Ferraro. Ferraro. Ferraro, yeah. Yeah,
1: they actually ran against against um. Bush? Quayle. Against Reagan, I, oh, I think. Right. In, in 1980, they ran against Reagan. And
5: that was Ooh. the Reagan-Bush ticket, Bush Senior. Yes.
1: I'm sorry. 1980, election 1984, election. they ran against Reagan. Carter ran against Reagan in 1980 and lost. No. And in 1984, it was Mondale and Ferrara.
5: Well, See, my grandpa actually remembers when Thurman ran for president, and that was in '48.
1: Well, basically, it's a pity, but most people won't be able to tell you anything about the last five, four or five presidential elections. Never mind in the U.S. Never mind in foreign countries.
5: Well, yeah, start.
1: Margaret Thatcher and, and common names like that, that they would look, Mar- Margaret Thatcher, what does she make, cookies? Well, what is your fashion Obama model? Obama what show she was she have. on? That, that's a good one. What show was she on?
0: <laughs>
5: Margaret Thatcher Martha Stewart. What about Stockdale and Perot, huh? <clears throat> well, if you ask most people who their state congressman is, they don't know, or they tell you where their U.S. congressman is, and then I say, no, you're state legislator, and they say, oh, I didn't know I had one. Right,
1: they don't know they have one is right. And, and you know what? Yeah. The legislators love that, don't want to be known.
4: Yeah, they pull out of shenanigans.
1: Well, right. And that's the government that counts, right? That's the government that local people can do something
4: about. Even city councils where I live here, oh. I did a study on this, and I found out that, uh, uh, except for the two last elections, I haven't looked up at the most recent one yet, I should, but the two last elections prior to this council election was a, uh, a council election before that and then a, uh, a vote, initiative vote for whether they should build a, a, a swimming pool, a big aquatic center, they call it, with several different pools. And uh, I looked it up there and found out that prior to those two, prior to 2007, like July, let's say 2007, 95 to 97 percent of the registered voters for a decade or more, almost two decades, were not voting, which means three to five percent were voting. And that's pretty astounding when you can't get that many people. I mean, that's not apathy. At that point, that is not apathy. When 97 percent of the people don't vote, that's more than just apathy, that's like rejection of, of the government. Absolute rejection of government, it's dangerous because, like Bill was saying, the ones that vote are the cops, the firemen, the street men, the, uh, the lobbyists, everybody who can make a buck off the government is in there voting. But the people who really need to vote are not doing it because they're too busy rejecting.
1: But that's the way it's been going now for for um for at least the last 50 years. It's been like that. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's well, it's been like they've given up on government.
1: I mean, I remember the polls in in Jersey when I would go vote, and I voted in almost every election, and and um, it it was very. The only time I didn't vote was in the, in the primaries. It usually wasn't worth voting because I was a Republican, and in New Jersey, being a Republican is a rare thing, and in my county, in Hudson County, it, it's like I was the only Republican that voted in my whole district, and and. Um, the primaries only had one person on the ballot for Republicans, so it wasn't worth showing up, right? It was never worth showing up because there was never any competition. The local Republican Party was so small and, and such a tight-knit clique of businessmen. There was no penetrating it, and, and they appointed who they want as candidates, and they always lost. You know, Republican candidates won very rarely in, in, in my county in New Jersey. In fact people freaked out when this guy named Brett Schuller became the mayor of Jersey City on uh, as a Republican candidate and nobody could believe it but it was basically he was he was a young businessman and the yuppies put him in but well the yeah. um the fact that that local yeah you know, local politics is the only politics. I mean, there was a there was a, a politician a long time ago. I forget which one it was. One of the famous old politicians said that all politics is local, and he's exactly right. And and that who you vote for at the local level, they are the people that end up determining who the candidates are for for the governmental offices right above their rungs. You know, the, the local county freeholders and aldermen and 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 the state legislature, whoever's holding those seats, those are the people that have a lot of say in, in deciding on who is going to be a, a gubernatorial candidate or a congressional candidate, and, and it, it works its way up, and, and local politics is the only politics that really should matter and, and where people with beliefs like ours can make a difference. And and that's the politics that everybody eschews, and they don't care about it. And and they they look at this this circus that we have every four years, and and who's running for president, and that's all people care about. I used to go to the polls every election, and and I'd see on a presidential election, those polls would be crammed. It'd be a two-hour line sometimes, but. The local elections, you're in and out in five minutes every time.
4: It, it never fails. It was, um, um, I thought it was Tip O'Reilly that said local politics. Oh, politics is local. I, I forget who
1: said that. It goes back before him, I think.
4: Yeah, probably is. He you're thinking about Tip on O'Neill, this. I think you mean. What did I say? O'Reilly. Oh, okay, well. I, I know all those Irish that. names are the same, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was Tip O'Neill. I
0: wonder, who yes.
1: act- I wonder who actually shot George Wallace, or at least he's getting who? the credit for it.
5: Wait, who shot George Wallace? Gerald has a booklet about that, about how the guy was trained, equipped, and funded by the Chinese embassy. They actually gave him a gun and taught him how to use it, and he was paid by several communist front groups and given safe houses, training, you name it. They gave him support. The Soviets helped him, but the Chinese basically did the most of the work training hmm. and helping this guy. So he, he wasn't just some maniac that wanted to make a name for himself. He was a card carrying communist. Oh, I see. He's so, a Jews China, China puppet, yeah. And they hmm. knew that. They, they were obviously trying to kill Wallace, but since Wallace wound up crippled, that really took away from his charisma. He he couldn't be out and about meeting with voters and they, they knew he would have won if they hadn't done something. Or he'd have at least made a huge splash. Did they but say he still why? got about twelve percent of the, the popular vote, then he
1: and if George Wallace wins, then then Nixon doesn't open up China, right? I never yeah, thought of it
0: true.
1: that way. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. That, that's the result of the, of the 1970 election, 1972 election. Nixon opened up China. He went to China and, and opened up trade with
5: China. And Wallace probably would, would have at least spoiled him. I think they said Wallace's goal was to take away enough of the electoral votes that it would have to go to the Senate to decide the election, and he had more pull in the Senate with all those southern senators. And he could get huge concessions for the South in the way of segregation issues by throwing the election to whoever would go his way.
1: Well, well it's possible, but it's another um, another conspiracy theory right now. I mean, it's yeah, only a theory right. until we have
5: documentation. Gerald pointed out that Wallace was winning big in the North. He was making a huge splash up North.
3: Uh, he, he, he was shot and paralyzed and then... He was killed later on, or he died naturally? He, he, he died he later died. On, on.
5: He, he died he 20 or 30 years, years later.
3: later. Oh, I see. seemed like a good man. He's always a good man, fall early.
4: He had um, opposed uh, the integration in the schools, and he was standing in front of the, the school uh, to tell this National Guard guy, I think I was said he can't. We're not going to bring those Negro people, children in here, but they did anyway. And uh, I think that they, uh, I think what they did is they, they, their, their views or their arguments were, uh, they were, they didn't prove that they were uh, not subject to the federal law. That this is a states' rights issue. They can teach their citizens however they want. And they, I don't, I don't remember all the details. It's a big subject. But uh, they could have done that saying, well, you know, get out of our state this is not a federal matter. This is a state matter. We have state rights to educate our people. Just like in uh, Gore Vidal, a uh, uh, bush where uh, uh, they went in there and, and tried to suggest that, uh, that the voting was wrong because of the ballots. And this, I pegged that early on, and I said this is what happened, and it did. Supreme Court back came back and said, well, the state of Florida has a state's rights issue there that they can count their votes however they want. As long as it pleases the legislature, that's the will of the people. And it's the same thing there. They should have said it's the will of our people that we should provide this kind of education for these people, that kind for that people, and it's not a federal issue. The problem was that they were, a member right, and it's always, always right, the state was accepting federal money from the education department. And so that meant that they have to dance to the federal tune. But if they'd have said, okay, we're not going to take your federal money anymore. Get out of here. That may have changed the entire picture of what was going on there. Like it's a jurisdictional issue, you know. Like the state is uh, is not subject to the federal government. The state's created the federal government. How can you be subject to your own, become a master or a slave of, of your own creation, you know. Like that's what they were suggesting. That the states were subject to the create to the, their creation.
1: Well, well they're not. If right? people didn't fall for the trick, people have been falling for that trick since um, since Woodrow Wilson, and maybe before that, if we had looked into it, like twenty five hundred twenty years, something but like they that. They fell for it with Abraham Lincoln, the first American dictator. They fell for it with him. Yep. He was throwing newspaper men into prison and anybody else that spoke out against the, the, the war between the states. In, in the North, he was throwing them in prison. Mm-hmm. Ordiners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Suspended habeas corpus. And people corpus. didn't, right then, the, the citizens of the North should have said, whoa, 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 this man has freedom of speech, we're going to defend his rights, and you're going to let him go right now. Well, well, people didn't stand up for that, right? The only, the, the only instrument that can prevent a tyranny is the will of the people. Like Thomas Jefferson said, governs, gov, go, governments govern with the consent of the governed. Well, well if you're going to let the government come in and do this, 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 and this, and this, well, well, then of course they have a right to
5: do it because you're giving it to them. So we have a tyranny by consent.
1: But, well, basically that's what we have. If people don't want to stand up for their rights because it's not them, they don't care. It's somebody else. Well, well, they don't deserve their own rights. And what? Look at what's going on. They're losing them, ain't they? They've lost them. Yeah. If you're going to stand around and do nothing when my rights as a man are being deprived of me, well, well, then you don't deserve your own. That's right. That's like the, the. And you will lose them. Yeah. The word government means to
3: control the mind and the controller and the thing
1: controller well i don't want to go that far but
3: no that's exactly what you're saying that's not far
1: well right but the word government doesn't mean to control the mind the word government i wouldn't go that far well to me
3: far is near like um you know we we separate ourselves inwardly too we're we deceive ourselves thinking that our thoughts are different than us, the thinker. That, that's a division and a, and a kind of like a double-minded uh, attitude. There, uh, we separate everything within our own kind. So that's our problem, right? So you're suggesting the
4: government, the purpose of government, is to uh, to, to uh, alter the mind. You mean is that was I got?
3: No, those who consent to a corrupt government deserve the co- the corrupt the lifestyle and society that they that we bring about. I mean, we're, we're responsible. Anybody okay. who's here, yeah. we're all responsible for what's going on. Uh-huh. No matter how we look at it, each one of us is responsible for either adding to the whole mess or doing something about it. That's exactly what Bill's saying, yeah.
4: yeah well, that's a long-standing understanding, that's true. Well, thought itself is very...
3: Thought, thought always is looking for an escape, and so it invents all types of systems and organizations and institutions,
4: and it bows down to the Jew. Well, if you think thought has a power to do that, then the thought has power beyond that uh, the grasp of Yahweh. No, thought's neither good or bad. It's it has it definitely has a place. Otherwise, we couldn't speak with with each other, But uh, wipe our thought but, but the thoughts, as you're suggesting in here, is that these thoughts are separate from ourselves, and we have no control of them, and that they have an existence of their own.
3: Well, great importance is given to it, and so its own, its own, it creates its own space, which is limited, which adds to the whole mess. That's all I'm saying. That little space we give such great importance to, that that
4: thing, the thinker. That thing, the thinker is the one that does it, not the thought. Not the thought. Thinker, thinker. <laughs> the person doing <laughs> the thinking, right? Well, there, well, no, there
3: you go, dividing it. I, I question whether they're separate. I, I don't. Just like the, if you're not, like, you're controlling the controller and the thing controlled are all, all, all on the same line. Otherwise, there's just no, there's no need for control or something to control, right? How can you have a
1: thought without a thinker? Well, I think we're getting way too philosophical and way too arcane here. So let's just put the brakes on this conversation. (laughs) The bottom line is men form governments so that men can protect their natural rights, their property, their families, and the fruits of their labor. We now have a government that deprives us of all those things, so it should be pretty damned obvious to even the non-thinker that the government is working for somebody other than the people who formed it. That's the bottom line. It's that simple. Governments were formed so that men could protect their property, not so that men could be deprived of their property. Our government government simply deprives us of our property. Yeah. And, and that's all they've done for 100 years, ever since we let the damn Jews in charge of the economy. We handed our economy and, and our household, the control of our household, over to the Jews with the Federal Reserve Act. And, and ever since that day, our government's purpose has been to deprive us of our property.
4: Well, in fact, it says in the Revenue Code, all income is taxable, which means they own it all and they let us keep some. They,
1: well, they that's the progressive it. attitude. That's yeah. Hillary Clinton's attitude. That, that's what she believes.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They,
1: they, make, they make actually believe that they're not. That they don't um, make tax and spending bills every year to decide how much of our money they're going to take. They, 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 they decide how much of our money they're going to let us keep. Is what they're deciding.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> they've admitted that over and over again, and and people. Let them get away with it. They refuse to stand up for their own rights and for the principles the nation was founded on. Yeah. So they don't deserve any rights, and they don't yeah. deserve any nation or any principles. And guess what? They're not going to have one. Yep. And this is a ball that started rolling 150 years ago. It's The horse is long out of the barn when any of us were born. And that's not an excuse we we have to be cognizant and 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 sound the warning bells and and try to will inform people of what is happening, of why things aren't um, looking up in this country. That that's that that's. I'm I'm not saying we should panic over it. That's exactly what we should never do. But we should be informed. Like JFK said in his Waldorf Hotel speech. Well, here's the bottom line. Here's where it really matters, right? And I I tried to express this in a blog post entitled, Who is Your God? And and I don't think I nailed it. I should probably go back and try to rewrite that. But the bottom line is, who do you look for for hope? Who do you look for to to feed your family tomorrow? Who do you look for to um, to, to care for you when you're sick? Who do you look for to, to provide security? You should look to your God. You shouldn't look to the government. If you're a Christian, if you're looking to the government, you're not a Christian, you're an atheist, you're a humanist. That's the religion of the Jews. You're not a Christian. If something bad happens to you, you should um, beg, for, beg for the mercy of your God, and, and it's between you and him. And, and whatever his will is, you have to accept in your life. And, and when something happens to people, what do they do? They scream to the government, who's their God? Their God's the government. And and if the government's your God, if you look for the government to solve your problems, if you look for the government to, for solutions, and, and the government is your God, and, and if you do that, then the government has the right to control every facet of your life. Who you have given the government that right? Who do you want to control your life? Jesus Christ or the government? If you answer... Jesus Christ, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And will do his will, and and he will provide for you and, and take care of you. And, and that's the Christian faith. But if you don't, if you look towards the government to solve your problems, the government's your God, and they're going to control your life. And you bought it. You deserve it. People look to the government all the time. Oh, the they're government's in them. control. And they deserve but, it. Because they've they've forsaken their God.
4: Well, they don't know if there's a God. I don't think they know who their God is.
1: Well, we all had that Bible.
4: We've all had an opportunity.
1: We've all had an opportunity to examine the the principles this country was founded on, the belief in that God, the belief that our rights came from that God, and that we have to stand up for them and defend them. They've all had that opportunity. And if they haven't done it, don't blame God.
5: Wouldn't that take away from football, though, if they had to spend time reading the Bible? Oh,
1: well, yeah, you're right. That takes away from their worship of the beast, right? That is. That's the worship of the beast, or at least one form of it.
5: I was watching the Simpsons once years ago, and Homer didn't want to go to church, and Marge said, the Lord only asks for an hour a week, and Homer said, in that case, he should have made the week an hour longer. Isn't that the attitude most Americans have, though? If God wants an hour of their time, he should have made the week an hour longer. And they'd have just pissed that hour away doing something stupid, too.
1: Yeah right. Well, well, the damn shame of it is, is that Christianity is 168 hours a week, right? Not an hour a week. Yeah, the Jew probably uh,
3: promoted that evolutionary attitude about race. In uh, what is that equality? And they probably that's probably on the same lines of this. uh, The Jew selling time that you could buy time to become. uh, Well, here in America, it's. The attitude is why do the non-whites come to America to be more to have a, a better life or to be more better or to uh, have what they they don't have and which they can never have. <clears throat> what can they never have? You can never genes. have
1: salvation, I'll tell you that.
3: Oh, yeah, the, the the genes of the adamites. I mean, they they cannot have that and when we buy that lie we we slip out like muniker was talking of last week i think muniker was mentioning about the dark going slipping into the dark ages slipping and sliding down the hill remember you mentioned that
4: Ron? yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and it's a retrogressing uh and it's a depravity the depravity of uh
0: well,
5: my mom's friend heard a black radio station once a talk show late at night, and they were talking about how there were only they can only have racial equality in America when all the blacks have married them with all the whites, and there's no longer a race because everybody will be the, the you know some type of shade of brown, and they'll pretty much all look the same, and that, that's what the black groups have to go for. That's what the, some black preacher on there was saying that the blacks can only attain equality with the whites by mixing with the whites to the point where there's no more race.
1: So he's really a Jewish preacher, isn't he? He's not a black preacher after all. (laughs) Basically, there's only two races, us and them. That's what I'm trying
0: to say. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, I I, I heard a bunch of these uh, uh, reactionary reds and idiots talking about, they bring up this phrase that God is colorblind. And, you know, that that very terminology is just totally... uh, totally against the intelligence of the almighty that he somehow doesn't even recognize color that he created you know it's so ludicrous but we buy stupid little phrases like that all kinds of little english phrases linguistic uh terminologies
5: I found one better. There was somebody online actually arguing that race mixing is morally superior to racial purity and that it's morally superior to marry outside of your race than within your race because God wants people to race mix. Well, that's what Christians
1: have been teaching in the pulpit for years now. They really think they're doing God a favor by, by, by mixing their race, by, by marrying people of other races. It's absolutely disgusting. It's Satan's religion, and, and that's what Judeo-Christianity is. It's the best religion the Jews could buy.
5: They think God smiles on the destruction of his creation.
1: Well, that's why I always tell people racism
5: is love.
1: Racism is love for God's original creation and, and the want to preserve it. Race mixing is hate. Race mixing
4: is hate for God's creation and the desire to destroy it. It's also hate for the other race if it's looked upon as a destructive act, you know? WCB, how you doing? Oh,
5: I'm alright. How are you? Yeah, we just
4: got online to
5: check my grades.
1: Okay. I thought you might have had something profound to say.
5: Disconnected.
1: <laughs> He's on. I guess he checked his grades. Asked.
5: It seems in the case of women, most race mixing women just have an issue with their father. So in addition to hating their heavenly
4: father, they hate their earthly
5: father too. Maybe
4: the earthly leads to the heavenly father. In hatred, you know.
1: well, I think there's a connection there. To um, there there definitely is. That Brian, I think, has a good point there, and that's out of my I own think, personal
4: experience. I think that it's not so much that they hate God, but they're angry at their father, and by extension, then they're angry at God. But they don't. I don't know if they really come out and admit this or know it even.
1: Well, you know something?
4: Honor thy
1: father and thy mother so that you may have a long life upon the earth. This is the first commandment with a promise.
4: Period. Yeah.
1: So true. Hey,
3: you know, another, another, uh, 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 another very sour, sour deception in uh, society which with its morality, which is immorality, is somehow the Jew has also worked in to uh, play both sides of the fence in attempting to get us, goyim, to somehow feel, think, or have the attitude that evil is the opposite of goodness. Whereas in actuality, you know the ugly reality in society is that that evil is the opposite of goodness but in in actuality and truth there is no relationship whatsoever well of course not but It has very subtle networks of escape how you know we are are been conditioned in our daily lives to have have a, a
1: unclear outlook but well that's could be because the entire paradigm that we're taught in in our schools We learn from the media, from all these TV shows, the entire paradigm is Jewish, and it's perverted. And and most people, most of what they learn, they learn from sources. I I don't care if it's from USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, if it's conservative, if it's liberal. It's all Jewish, and it's their paradigm, and they have perverted the language, like Ron said before, about goy and fellow, that these are... are, um, Jewish words that that have come into our society and, and when we say them we think one thing but when a Jew says them he's he thinks something totally different.
0: Mhm.
1: And that yeah, you know, we, we can argue here a lot and, and a lot of times you'll you'll hear me say on your terms, what do you mean by that when you say that? What do you mean by this when you say that? And and that's what we have to do. But in society in everyday communication with people, we don't always have the ability to to, to make those demands, and, and we, um, well, we basically communicate with Jewish words in the Jewish world, even if we're speaking the English language, because we've been educated with their definitions of those words, and there's a lot of examples of that in, in our language, and, and the obvious ones, gay, queer, and, and things like that, but goy and, and fellow, well, well, there's a lot of other um, words in our language that we, we really do misunderstand.
4: I sent you an email uh, just a few minutes ago, maybe ten minutes ago, uh, a list I found it as it happens on Wikipedia. A list of uh, of Yiddish, Hebrew and uh, Jewish words in the uh, somewhat common in you know, the English language. Um should be there by now. Uh, good, maybe I'll do something with it on a RAM or Michael. web posting
1: or something.
5: Okay. And if you want to say anything,
1: just give me a holler. I don't want to coerce you, twist your arm or anything.
5: Bill, as far as terms go, how about when people say free market capitalism?
1: Well, yeah, right. And, and there, there's a lot of terms like that. We can't have free market capitalism. Right, that's an oxymoron. And the whole capitalism versus communism paradigm it is, a, is a false paradigm. But we've been taught in, in, um, in our schools that one is good, one is evil, and and that they're they're they opposite of of each other, and all of that's a lie.
5: If you don't support what's going on in Wall Street. You're not a capitalist. You're a communist. Free market capitalism is Wall Street. But,
1: well, right. Why are there only really two choices? It's just like the evolution versus creation paradigm, where where there's two pigeonholes. You either believe the whole evolutionary theory, uh, the way the Jews teach Darwinism, which isn't even the way Darwin taught Darwinism, right? Or you you believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old and, and that all races descended from Adam and Eve. Well, both are impossible to believe for a thinking man. So a thinking man, un- unless he really considers the scripture, considers the history, considers the archaeological record, most, most of us don't have time for all that, and, and examines all these things and, and comes to, to a conclusion that, that's closer to the truth, you have to reject both arguments. Or people sign up for one of them like they're signing up for a football team. Yankees, Mets, Yankees, Mets, evolution, creation, evolution, creation. It's the same thing in the minds of the common, most common people. And, oh, I'm an evolutionist. Why? Because it sounds cool. I'm a creationist. No, you're an idiot. But that's the bottom line. It, it's crazy. And, and people don't think about what, 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 the, the very philosophies that they profess to believe. They just sign up for one of them, like they're picking the Yankees or the Mets. Well, well, he has a cute pitcher. I, I think I'm going to be a Yankee fan. I, I like Andy Pettit; he's cool. I, I like, um, well, Derek Jeter, that half breed at shortstop, that man's bastard. Oh, he's cool. I, I like him. Uh, I'm going to um, root for the Yankees. Uh,
0: I'm, that,
1: I like that speaker. He was cool. I couldn't understand a damn word he was saying. Stephen Hawking, but I I I pity that little cripple. And, and I'm going to be an evolutionist because he's got to be a pretty smart guy or they wouldn't have him up there on that stage.
4: And the Democrats will give us social justice. I'm so going to vote for
1: Democrats. Not for- oh well, yeah, it's Democrat Republican. It's the same thing. It's it's the perception of of, of the different um, false paradigms in the minds of the people, and, and it keeps everybody distracted, and they're all lies.
4: I've had the opinion of late, and I've been voicing it around whenever I get the chance, and it's often in election times. Is that Republicans and the Democrats are really one and the same? They both each talks in a different direction, they point in a different direction, and they look in a different direction. But they're Siamese twins. And when was the last time you ever saw Siamese twins walk in two different directions? Just don't. They walk in the same direction. And every time you put vote for uh, get some Republican or some Democrat running there, it doesn't make any difference. The America is the way it is today because the Republican Party and the Democratic Party want it to be this way. Oh, well, of course want they want do. To be, and, and that's the problem most people don't seem to understand. They haven't figured it out that they are both working for themselves. We elect them and then they elect themselves. But, well, they're really both working for the same corporations that. that
1: allow them the money to finance their campaigns and and play their rackets, because that's what it is, is it's a racket. And, and yeah. these major corporations allow them to play these rackets and extort these people as long as they also perform the will of the major corporations and the, the Wall Street banks.
4: Yeah,
1: They're really all working for those corporations.
4: Yeah, because the representatives of corporations to begin with, the Republican Party. The Democratic Party, you know, that type of thing. It's a corporation. And when Obama or Bush or Reagan or anybody, these guys we used to think are our heroes, all of a sudden we really find out that these guys, just a bunch of nuts. They're just talking, and they're nothing more than talking heads representing a corporation. It's a political corporation. Republican Party. Pretend.
1: Well, like Rothschild said, give me control of a nation's money. As soon as we gave the Jews the, the control to print our money, we lost our nation. That's when we lost it. Yeah. But there's no other defining moment. That's when we lost it, 1913 Federal Reserve Act.
4: I remember hearing, uh, uh, as it happens, and I don't think they're, they're, they kind of knew, but they didn't. Uh, I've heard some Jehovah's Witnesses running around talking about that, how America went into the hands of Satan in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act, and I thought, what is that? You know, and I didn't understand it. And a lot of people that talk that way don't uh, know enough about banks and banking, money and finance, lawful money versus legal tender, and these things that I think now I could sit there and talk for hours on it and never miss it, and uh, a beat, and yet at the time early on i didn't understand anything about these subjects you know and you really have to study it up to be able to know what's going on when you grasp but then it becomes so much of an issue that you try to explain it to people and they just find it unbelievable that this could possibly happen and yet how many congressmen have tried to get rid of the federal reserve and they say well we're going to we're going to uh, uh, a bill to repeal the federal reserve there must be thousands of those things in there you know and they never get anywhere but I guess well, that's because people don't. The ninety-nine
1: percent of the the average, average citizen don't understand anything about money, or about what money is, or about who makes money, or where it comes from. Right? They don't understand those things at all. Yeah. They don't have the the slightest inkling. To be able to understand the Federal Reserve,
4: I was at a, uh, a lecture uh, recently. Uh, well, last now I could say it last year, uh, late last year, like October or something like that, and there was a guy down there from the Federal Reserve, and uh, he spilled the beans about how there's going to be a big economic crash in the, uh, early in year 2011. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of his comments in the opening statement was, he says that uh, that it's, it's, uh, the country is best served by a, a, a financial system that is held in private hands, he said, something to that effect. It was in private hands. I downloaded the lecture because it's such an oddity. And he thinks it's great. And, of course, he works for them, you know, so that's his, it's his shtick, right? There's the Jewish word. He's got to be able to sit there and talk like this, say, oh, private banking, uh, that's the only way to have a good thing going. And and yet, I remember uh, the, uh, uh, the czar or the king of, of Russia was uh, Nicholas II, I think it was, saying that uh, uh, the uh, the um, the gold is best kept in the pockets of the people.
1: Well, that's why they destroyed them, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they knocked them down. But uh, so this so this Fed guy, he thought it was wonderful
5: that they had this private banking system, okay. but
4: that's because he has to think that
5: way. Common citizens out there, I actually find a liberal guy who thinks that if they print more money, that means there's more wealth and that they should print more money because people need money to buy things. Yeah,
4: yeah they do think that way. That's
5: what he said, that if they print more money
1: and put more but, money. Well, that statement's a, a sad commentary in itself on, on the, um, the educational system that we have in this nation, right? That people can believe that. It's probably also the best educational system that Jews could buy.
5: In economics class, you know, my professors and teachers in high school explicitly said the more money they print, the less value it has. as more inner circulation devaluing the money already in
0: circulation.
1: Well, that's really simple, basic rule of economics. I mean, I'm surprised they even taught you that, though. I'm
0: being honest.
1: <laughs> I guess they have to teach some things, right? <laughs> if to teach some things correctly, I should say. Did they teach you about fractional reserve banking? Did they teach you about um,
5: mobile economy, uh, expansion, contraction? Well, I think one of the professors did say that the Federal Reserve is a private, basically corporation, and they they, they mentioned that we're not on the gold standard. We don't have any real, you know, dollar peg to anything, and it's just printed by the government, uh, fiat money.
1: How about fractional reserve banking? Uh, I mean, that's a huge evil.
5: I don't think anybody got into that, or at any length, anyway. But a, a f- they're supposed to have enough silver and gold in reserve, and now since we have fiat currency, they're supposed to have enough paper in reserve, but they don't even have enough funny money in reserve to back up the funny money that they've issued. Is that basically what it boils down, though?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're only supposed to have what they claim, what their own regulations tell them they're supposed to have, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And they, they just change the rules every time they get caught, right? or about to get caught. I was reading in a book um, about uh, the history of of, uh, upper-class dining, eating, you know. And they were saying that in these kitchens, they had these huge kitchens, and they would be set apart from the house because of the fire risks and stuff like that. And one of the things they had in there was uh, they had, eventually over time, they worked out certain kind of bricks. Sort to change color when they get hot and then you go back to the original color when it's cool so they could tell how hot the oven was by the color of the surrounding bricks Uh, and they called them the wise men and i thought Hmm. that's an interesting comparison a wise man really understands when things are heating up too hot and he tells the people or when they're getting too cold, and he tells the people, but the people who are properly running themselves and their society, they have no need for a wise man. Even though one may exist in their midst, they don't have to go to a wise man and ask him, are we getting too hot, are we coming too immoral? Are we getting too cold? Or are we becoming too uh, selfish? You know, the a term of wise man, to have these bricks to tell you how hot it is. It's pretty interesting as a comparison to the wise man that I have full of wisdom and can can tell you what's going on, like prophets. I thought that was kind of an interesting comparison.
3: Yeah, if he's a light, that lighteth every Adamite that cometh into the world. Cometh into the world and um, we're... Were to be a light on a hill and a light. Oh uh, well, when what Scripture says when when we see Him, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is, and and we shall be known. or we shall know as we are known. Well, we through see through a glass dimly. So if we're not a light to if Yah if Yahweh is not the light to ourselves, and we. Rely on some light other than Him, then wouldn't that be the light that's darkness? What what is the light that's darkness? I mean, in Scripture, it's the false. It's the false presenting itself as truth, right? Or the uh, the Jew. Uh, I guess a Judaized. Uh, a Judaized
1: mind is. Just as good as a Jew, just no good. oh Well, that's why I say they are Jews between the ears. A lot of us are Jews between the ears, think like
4: Jews. Of course, the way we, I was reading somewhere where he is talking about how he felt that it was important that uh, that we should uh, speak gently to those who just are asleep, you know, and 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 wake them up gently. And he says he finally got tired of that. He says now he comes out there and he insults them, and he degrades them, and he, and he doesn't yell as a bit. He just insults them and and throws this into their face, you know, to wake them up like a bucket of cold ice water in their face. They've got to be shocked into their realities, and I found that this was true one time. Even though I was running around, all these patriots were doing this and doing that, thought we're getting somewhere this guy comes along and he's talking about these how to sue the cops and stuff like that. And he's talking really loud. Yeah, he's yelling angry like, you guys are stupid. You don't know blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's frightening. And I realized what he was saying was true. But it wasn't until he started shouting at me, at the whole group, but at shouting at me in particular it was because it was me sitting there, that I realized, yeah, that that's that's true. We were so complacent thinking we knew what we were doing. But we really didn't know enough. And some of these people we talk to, they don't know anything. So there's no sense in uh, being nice to them. But I just come right out and whack them.
1: Well, I think, you know, when you approach people, it depends on a particular situation. Yeah, it does. And you have to be flexible in your approach.
4: I've never convinced anyone in my family.
1: And, and you also have to have a certain amount of humility because um, we were all caught in a lie once, right? We all believed it once.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, we caught ourselves in the lie. That's the key. We caught ourselves in the lie. We've kind of reformed ourselves. But they still believe the lie, but they don't know it's a lie. They think it's the truth. Well, well, I mean, when well, we were school
1: children, but we, we didn't catch ourselves in the lie. We were compelled to go to school, and, and we went along with it. and We believed our teachers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We believed Every our teacher. our his, what, what, Yeah, and our, and our pastors. And we we imagine that those people would never say anything to hurt us or to do us harm or mislead or us.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, they did. And most people, I mean, these Baptists up here, my cousins, they treat their pastors as if they are the infallible word of God. And that basically means that they joined the Reformation to trade in one king pope for a whole bunch of little popes is basically what they did, right?
4: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a a sort of localized Catholicism.
4: Yeah, without admitting it.
1: (laughs) It goes back to what you said about it's uh,
3: anti-Christian to want to control other men. Absolutely. absolutely. Which is totally scriptural. It's just scriptural all the way. Well, thank the Almighty for King David.
2: (laughs) I'm out for the night.
3: night. God bless everybody.
1: Good night, Uh, Brian. God bless. 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 Good night, Brian. do we have anything else or am i ending this program about a kaiser you got anything Papa cat no remorse new guy welcome no remorse curtis
5: um so i hear the next pope is going to be a black man named peter
1: it doesn't matter i mean they may as well put a put a put a negro up there they may as well i mean why not then we'll see if the irish stay in the stay catholic
5: yeah, that St. Malachy
0: said that the next pope will be the last one. I don't know the validity of those prophecies. So.
1: Well, those prophecies yeah. have no validity whatsoever. I mean, we we could all hope that this pope is the last one. I I don't think, uh, I wouldn't put any credence in any of that crap. I wouldn't base my faith around, uh, around the Catholic Church, that's for sure. Especially since, well, let me think now, for 1,700 years they've been wrong about everything. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. I guess I'm going to um, bring this program to a close. Thank you, everybody.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>